I want you to think of a brand whose tone of voice is best in class or who you look up to for inspiration and guidance when thinking about your own brand's personality. Chances are a lot of you just thought of Innocent Drinks, and there's a damn good reason for that. Now, after a months-long hiring process, Innocent's writers are invited to study the Innocent brand Bible, and it's that that we're talking about today with Innocent's UK social media manager, Marcus Dean. Yeah, one thing that struck me with Marcus is he speaks with such clarity. He knows exactly what will work when it won't work, what he should be talking about, and the way he can explain his job to us and Innocent's proposition on social in such a clear manner, it's clear to see that he knows what he's talking about. Now, we covered a whole host of different things in this pod, and I know you're going to love it. Some of those things include how to create a long-lasting tone of voice across both text and video platforms, how talking about daddy long legs and parakeets on social are used to sell Innocent drinks in real life, And we lift the lid, or should I say, unscrew the lid on Innocent's Blue campaign, one of the greatest social campaigns ever. All right, Marcus, thank you for joining us on Social Minds. It's so good to have Innocent on the podcast, a brand that we've been wanting to speak to for a very long time. And our main question for you today is, how does a brand as well known as Innocent retain its momentum on social? Momentum isn't a word uh, I ever use to describe it. Um, we sort of just call it nonsense. But I guess, like when you when you first come to work for Innocent, the, the as a writer, like any any type of writer, so it's copy or social, whatever, you you get given our like brand bible, our tone of voice, and it has like it has like commandments essentially, sort of carved into stone, and one of them is be unexpected and be be relatable like those two that they're, they're, they're sort of opposing but like between those two i think uh you're always you always know that you should be looking for the next thing you never really sort of rely on what you've done before or try to repeat something that's gone well you're always looking at the next way you can do it and i think because of that unexpected thing and and trying to remain relatable in you know whatever that looks like like with like remote working or sort of how the country is now it's it's sort of quite easy as long as you keep it fresh then i think momentum as you call it is sort of yeah it just it takes care of itself like i don't think i've ever thought how do i retain momentum uh like that's not a word i've ever <laughs> said to myself but i guess through those other things and how we're sort of like drilled when we first come to work here like the application process at innocent is so long and they they like make sure you're completely right for the role so I think by the time you finish that, this other stuff just sort of comes a bit like natural, I guess. Yeah, I can already tell this is going to be an unbelievable pod. Just from even from the even from the get go, we you know we're looking at uh, brand commandments and stuff like that, and, and just doing things differently. I absolutely love doing things differently. I see you laughing there, Marcus. Did I uh, did I build you up a little bit? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. Well, it's nervous laughter. I, I was also th- I was just thinking brand. You said commandment, and then. Cabran, it doesn't work in my accent. I was trying to do brand commandments, but in your Cabran, accent, it works, not mine. Yeah, yeah, I can see where you go with that. <laughs> well, either, yeah. Either way, I know we um, we had a little chat before before we came on onto the pod, and, and we were talking about you know how social structure in the background, and we know that we I know up from our chat there's three pillars that innocent social strategies built around. So it'd be really interesting to delve into those a little bit deeper. So firstly, what are they, and then what role does each pillar play in shaping your output on innocence channels? 
Yeah, so we broadly split split content into into three pillars, like you said. So so one is product. Uh, one is what we call force for good. So I guess to everyone else, that's like CSR, corporate social responsibility. And then the third one is everyone's favorite that people know innocent for. We call it branded random. So the difference between them, product is pretty self-explanatory, right? But obviously we do it in a different way. We never just do a product post on a beach. If we do a product post on a beach during the summer, the caption is about how we've run out of content ideas and all we've got is this beach. So like there's always some sort of, you know, unique entry point into Mm -hmm. it when we do do product posts. Force for good, like corporate social responsibility is obviously a massive thing for a lot of brands, especially like now in the 21st century. But when we like post about it, we try to do it in a way that that like fits innocent like everything comes from our tone of voice everything we do whether that's like in our office on social in ads so when we're writing about this is the thing a lot of brands say they want this unique tone of voice they want to be relatable and funny and as soon as it gets to like their charity sort of partners or whatever they just sound like the most corporate people Mm. in the world and they just forget it all so with us whether we're writing about so at the moment we're doing like a big rewild campaign yeah, seen this about about the about the gardens uh, about yeah. gardening, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and we're sort of we wanted to get people aware of what you can do in your own home, whether that's like a balcony inside or in a garden, about how you can make it more like biodiverse. So we worked with Ray Mears, and I basically just wrote scripts for Ray Mears where he called himself National Treasure like eighty five times. So it it is like overall it's our force for good, but really it's just as silly as our other stuff, and then. Branded random. The word random's a bit of a bit of an off-putting or like outlier because, like, like I said, in our in our commandments, we have like be unexpected, and uh, but but it's also be relevant. So random, it isn't random in the sense of oh my god, uh, like post about that. That's so random. It's more it's random from a drinks company because whatever we post about is supposed to be relevant. It's, it's got to be culturally relevant. Um, so like last year. Uh, this one I always think of because it's the one I use in my slides whenever I do like a presentation on this. When it got to autumn and the Daddy Longlegs started being everywhere, we did a post about um, what if all animals were named like Daddy Longlegs. So we called like penguins, flappy, flappy can't fly birds or something like that. <laughs> I can't, rem- I, I can't remember, but like it was really silly. And it is random for a drinks company, obviously, to post about that. But it's not random because everybody. When it gets to October, Daddy Longlegs are in everybody's. You leave your window open, there's about 10 that come in. So like everybody knows why we're talking about it. So those are the three pillars. And they're all really important because if we're honest, we know like even before my time, I've been there just over a year now. Before my time, everybody knew Innocent as sort of someone worth following on social because of Mm -hmm. the content they post. But that branded random is is most of the stuff that brings people in. The way we do product posts um, sort of is unique and different. So when people come to us, they, they think of us in a different way. And then our force for good, once you're already on our feed, that's when we can tell you about the things we're passionate about. So all three are essential to create who we are as a brand. And I guess the overall thing is everything we do, the branded random, which might seem random to other brands, and like, why can't we do that? The, the whole aim of it is when you're in a shop and you've got a, a our smoothie against an own label against another brand we want you to look at both of them and say i'm going to buy that one because that post they did was really funny that and that's essentially it we just want to have that presence of mind where you look at the two and because of what we do online you choose us over them love that clarity it's not often you hear you know it's, i think it's quite it's quite common to hear oh we're doing social because we want people to interact with us blah, blah, blah. but to hear someone go you know 
we want someone in store physically to think of us online when they're offline is i love the clarity in that I've never sounded more marketing, I don't think. So that's a, <laughs> that's a worry for me. But it's, it's, you know, future career progressions going off the charts right now. <laughs> so, right, we're a marketing podcast. We'll, we'll allow it yeah. uh, just this Good. once. But I want to talk a little bit about, obviously, uh, Innocent's personality being so notorious on social. And now, especially on channels like Twitter and TikTok, a lot of brands have taken uh, to those channels to develop and show off their own personalities, especially in the last few years, um, with Innocent being a real guiding light for a lot of brands to sort of follow in its footsteps. But while a lot of brands sort of go for um, like cheeky or even like a snarky approach um, in terms of their personality, I've noticed Innocent doesn't really uh, toe that line it doesn't you know get involved in like the brand uh, and it stays very positive um so how does innocent uh use social and i guess why is it focused on fostering that positivity uh, and staying out of the snarky side and what has the uh, business impact been from that i think the what you say about the like the brand uh, and the snarky stuff is it's a really good point because that is the way a lot of socials moving right um like the sort of rise of admin and sort of admin humor and things yeah. like that that comes from again the tone of voice everything comes from the tone of voice in a brand guideline we have a personality as a company i think a lot of people on twitter specifically a lot of brands will have the personality of whoever is running that account it's yeah. not consistent sort of like whoever comes in and takes over they'll just start sharing things and reacting to things because it's in their sort of area of interest whereas for me when I came in like my predecessor who did things a little bit different to me I'm much more into like well we, we both like football but I'm more into football and I'm a bit more into films and tv and things like that so like my cultural reference points personally are sort of very far one way but then when you mm. actually write it for innocent and you think is this the right thing it has to meet that Venn diagram of brand identity versus you and it has to be in that sweet spot and if it isn't if it's too far that way it's going to tank and if it's too far that way it's going to tank so it's sort of uh, you need to find that sweet spot and the, I think the reason we don't do that is just because we probably prioritize and think of innocent as its own person rather than the people who run it. Mm -hmm. uh, and that sounds, I, I, I was trying to think of a word that isn't a swear word. Uh, pretentious, you there you go. Uh, well, uh, I was going to say it sounds really wanky, uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so it, it sounds kind of pretentious, but I, I think that is true in terms of like business impact. I think it is that thing. Yeah, it's, it's it's what I said before. It's it's when you see us, our mantra, and this isn't just on social, this is as a business, mm. is literally to leave people better than we found them. And that's the whole reason our, like, our force for good stuff is all about nature and biodiversity and improving the UK because that's what we want to do. So when we when people see like our branded, we sponsored the Olympics in 2012 before my time and we had ponchos that we gave out to people for free when it was raining, which was obviously all the time. Um, <laughs> and on those ponchos there was written at least it's not snowing um and that was bigger than the innocent brand and things like that so it's just when people see us we just want them to associate it with yeah positivity like you say like smiling yeah. and sort of so when people remember a post or something we did sometimes we can be a little snarky a little sort of things like that but not in the same way we're not like social snarky we're British yeah, passive aggressive. Yeah. But I honestly think that's why, I mean, we'll get onto this in a little bit as well, but I think that's why Innocent remains such a front runner when it comes to tone of voice. Um, because, well, you know, I talk about it a lot, the fact that copy or like your TOV should be its own distinctive asset, but it's in reality quite a difficult thing to achieve, especially when you're talking about consistency over, you know, like multiple admins, whether it's a few working at once or one taking over from the other. I think you're very correct when you say it tends to just be the voice and the personality of whoever's 
running mm-hmm. that account. But I mean, mm. it's, it's probably a testament to that rigorous hiring and training process that you mentioned, which um, yeah. maybe walk us through with that a little bit, if you wouldn't mind. So give people an idea of what goes into, you know, keeping that consistency t- so tight. Yeah. Um, what well, I applied, uh, this when I got this job, it was actually my second time applying for Innocent. I applied for, so before I worked in social, I was just a, like, just a copywriter and I applied to be a copywriter at Innocent in 2018 and I got to round three um, and then didn't make it. So when this one came up again, I thought I'd apply. Um, I knew the person who used to do the social. We went to university together and I was thinking, oh, brilliant, I'm in here. Like, <laughs> straight to the finish line. But they were like, no, not at all. Like straight, same as everyone else four stages of the interview so the first one you have to submit your writing sample like every job you do these days you have to say why you're like a good fit um what you like about innocent and also what you would change which i think is quite standard like people do ask that but i think with innocent so many people are like nothing i wouldn't change anything which might be the case when you actually boil down into it but like you should say something. You should offer something. Otherwise, they're just going to think you're like a fanboy. That reminds me of the uh, what's your biggest weakness question. You know, yeah, like, oh, exactly. Mate, you know, nothing, but you've got to yeah, say yeah. something. Perfectionist. To kind of, yeah. Perfectionist, exactly, yeah. <laughs> if anything, I've got too good time management. Uh, yeah. No. Um, I tried too yeah. hard. <laughs> yeah. So it went from that. And then, then you have like your first in-person or like remote, obviously, because it was during COVID when I started, where you have to, your line manager, who would be your line manager, who's like head of content for... Uh, Europe and then a PR manager as well like somebody who's in a different type of field and they get they set you a long form example and a short form example so you have to write a couple of like, tweets and then I had to come up with a whole campaign idea around if we were sponsoring the next Olympics because it was just as the Tokyo was about to start and so basically I had to come up with a whole campaign around that which that's was a lot expensive. if I'm honest yeah that yeah. is a lot and, we were never going to be a sponsor either. So that's just wasted work. Mm. Um, but but yeah, you do that. And then you go to HR and the HR interview is really different as well because they actually get you to, everyone asks culture questions, but these are like only culture questions. So it's only about your fit and how you are there. I mean, as long and rigorous as it is, it's clearly working, right? Because, you know, as we said, innocence output is consistent, but uh, it's not something that, you know, sometimes with brands, if you've been, especially on social, God, if you've been doing the same thing for a very long time, um, Mm. it sometimes stops working or other people can catch up to you. And especially when there's been so many brands following innocence footsteps and you know looking to you guys for how to do personality online i suppose as as innocent like still trying to scale and grow how are you guys sort of uh, nurturing and defending that tone of voice that sort of become a default example you know maybe stopping others getting too close to copying it or making sure you either keep it the same or is it a case of changing it like a tiny little bit uh, so it's like unnoticeable growth yeah, it's interesting to think about because you do. So, so I worked at an agency before I came to Innocent and there were so many brands that came to you saying, I want to sound like Innocent. We want to be yeah. like Innocent. And like I said, when when you go into that and you realise that has to be across everything, people sort of chicken out a bit and they sort of step back. Um, so I don't think you can control too much what other people are doing. People will always be able to spot an imitation um, or a copy. And it's not it's not that all of them are bad. Like some, some are really similar to us now, but they still do it well. They still do it good. And if it works, 
for them in their industry or their sector, fine. Like, you know, there's a, there's a, there's one we do twice a year, every year about the changing the clocks back. I don't know if you've seen that post way mm-hmm. before my time. We do like this, share this little diagram of clock. You just do this. One's a sundial and it's like, oh, move houses one to the left. Um, one says like your oven, give up. You need a bachelor in uh, mechanical engineering. Um, so it's like, it's a, it's a really funny post. We do it twice a year. Our fans like love it when we post it. Last year, I saw about five different versions of that, like designed, like just stolen, like not even retweeting us or anything like that. They just stole it, did it, used exactly the same copy and posted it. We're not the type of brand to sort of call people out on that and sort of start like a thing on Twitter, some beef or whatever, because... It, yeah, it's, it's the it's the what do they say? Um, Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Yeah, but it takes go. quite a big person to get over it. I think on a <laughs> on an employee exactly. level, rather than like the brand doesn't agree with this, like the brand's above don't, it. But on a personal level, I'm like, don't steal our shit, <laughs> please. Don't get me wrong. In 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 private, I'm I'm having stern words. <laughs> um, but no, yeah. But so like you sort of you let that go. Um, but in terms of us, there's. Again, like most things, there's a middle ground because I think on stuff like Facebook, Instagram, our website, our web news, which we send out like a fortnightly newsletter, that's really consistent. That sort of stays the same ever. Things like Twitter, where you have to remain reactive, that will change naturally over time, depending on what you're writing about. Like I remember, I think I'd been here for a couple of months and there was that story about how OnlyFans was going to stop doing adult content. Mm. Um, so like I retweeted that with like a joke about how we're starting our own one. Um, and like and I said, we had like names like bananas, not in pajamas and things like that. <laughs> and and that was like, there's a little bit out there for innocent. It wasn't like quite exactly on tone of voice, but I was, I was pushing the envelope a little bit, but like that sort of worked. I think the biggest one is TikTok. One of the people I work with, uh, Ellie, created our TikTok platform basically because she's uh, essentially what she, we call it a people's champ. It's basically like a community manager, customer service. So she used to do reactive stuff, but she used it so much in her personal life. It was like, we need to be on this. And then in a the space of a year, grew it to like 120K followers. Nice. And the content we do on that is different. Like, don't get me wrong. It is different to the yeah. others. But it has to be like if yeah. we posted like we post on others, it just wouldn't work. This is it. Like every platform has their own language as well. Yeah. And you can be yourself as a brand. You can be that person or that character. But yeah, you yeah. have to adapt to the way that users are speaking on that uh, on that app for sure. Exactly. And some people were protective of it. Like I know, like you're saying about defending tone of voice, a few of the higher ups at that time said no, like initially said no to it. And then we like we I wasn't there at the time and Ellie like fought for it. And in the end, did it, did it anyway. And then, and like, like we have the very much to ask for, ask for forgiveness rather than permission. Yeah. And after that, just like took off. And then now everybody can see, oh, that was obviously the right thing to do. Yeah. It's a proof in the pudding, isn't it? Bit of friction sometimes isn't a bad thing. So yeah, so we are protective over it in certain in certain ways and there'll be some things which we just will never do, like the sort of admin humor um, and sharing memes or whatever. But in terms of everything else, you've got to sort of stay with it a bit. So, so, so nothing's really off limit in terms of new platforms. Yeah, we will. We will get onto TikTok, but I do want to stay on Twitter for just a moment. One yeah. because oh, it's a selfish reason. I just love the feed. So, <laughs> what I want to do is just go through the feed. I'm just going to reel off some tweets here in order to you and just see how much the products actually mentioned on the channel. So we're going to start with the latest tweet, right? Okay. So we've got one about Wednesdays not being quite Mondays. We do have one about a smoothie, but it's mm. a big bunch of bananas, but then it says there's no bananas in it. So again, another unique angle. We've then got what people are talking about the in the office. 
uh, emails are broken. It's social media day. Uh, and then one of, one of my favorites, uh, parakeet dramas. So uh, <laughs> yeah. something, yeah, something's happening with parakeets. So you, you get the vibe. And then obviously we've got the, the garden campaign that we talked about. But you get the vibe, mm. you know, there's not a lot of products on channel, which no. people will be going, what is going on? So what I wanted to know is how does Innocent measure the ROI on social, given that, like I say, it's rarely mentioned on the channels how like how do you recognize the value there yeah so i think so again having come from an agency background where literally i got given all these products to mention in a monthly content plan do this do that do this mm -hmm. me coming here was a shock to me as well so we get judged on like above all reach how many people do we reach with our organic content? We don't really promote other than like campaigns. So obviously we've, we've been promoting a bit with the, the big rewilds just to get more people to see it. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, our normal organic content, we, we hardly ever promote anything. So it's all judged on reach. How many people we can get. I have an internal target of like 5 million people each month to reach mm -hmm. with my content. And because of what I said before with the channels, with the, sorry, with the different um, content pillars, I know which ones give me the biggest hits. And it is branded random. So because of that, because of that, keeping people front of mind when they see our product and they're thinking about us, that is the one that tends to bring the most people in. So that's the one I tend to focus on more. Uh, unofficially, nobody really tells me I need to post about uh, products. They would like me to. We need to sell them to keep going. Uh, but nobody's ever there going, you must do that this week. You must do that this week. Mm -hmm. Essentially, I've got a big funnel of, when new products are coming out and when something's quite new or so if I've got like an interesting hook for something, that's when I'll start to incorporate product yeah. posts into our feed. Yeah. But outside of that, everyone's really respectful and they know what brings people to us. So they sort of don't want to mess with that too much. But don't get me wrong. I think they'd rather I, we post about product a little bit more. It's like, like you said, though, Marcus, like it's when the hook comes to you. It's when it feels yeah. right. It's when it feels relevant. And as long as you've got that awareness or whoever's working on a brand account has the awareness of when new products are coming in and, you know, roughly like as and when we need to talk about something, it's going to be so much more natural and likely so much more, you know, higher performing than it would be if someone came to you and said, uh, you need to talk about this product on this day in this kind of manner. And I feel like that's mm. just when your creativity already has like all these limits on it. Yeah, no, definitely. And people are like respectful of that. People do understand that, which is is good because just because we've had like so many people before me doing similar things. So I think it's just, yeah, it's like set now. Everyone mm. understands it. I didn't have to come in and like fight for it or whatever. In fact, I was probably the opposite. I was probably coming in going, oh, so you want me to do more products? You want me to do this? And, they, and nobody really mentioned it other than a very broad 40% branded random, 30 product, 30 force for good. So outside of that, there's no real official like line i have to go by another thing that you do amazingly well on uh, twitter especially is the community management aspect and again that's something that a lot of brands or marketers hopefully know the importance of by now um but innocent takes particular care with its community management i think uh, and i know you know when we've spoken in the past you mentioned how important it is to the brand so can you tell us a little bit about um you know why it's so important for innocent to invest in that community management especially on twitter yeah, so uh, back to the recruitment thing. I think that's where it all comes from. Recruitment and our tone of voice. So those things meeting in the middle is exactly what makes our community management, in, in my opinion, like so great. Like we have a team of people's champs that I work with who, yeah, we call traditional community managements or customer service, probably somewhere in the middle. And they are great 
people for starters and then they're great writers and then they're drilled in the same way that I was with the tone of voice and things like that obviously yeah. to a lesser extent because they're not doing proactive comment they're only doing reactive uh they are drilled in the same way. They have to provide work samples. They have to provide culture questions. They have to make sure they get it before we even let them go on the social. And I, I love, I love doing the replies and comments and managing community as well. It's just obviously because I've got to do all the proactive stuff as well. A lot of it is left to them, and then I sort of muck in when when needed. But I think why we're different is that. It's, it's that guiding principle of leaving people better than we found them again. We have sort of like an internet, that one's like written down in our Bible. That's like for everyone to see. We also have like sort of an unofficial one, which I think was started by um, a guy who created our like tone of voice. And it was, if you can't be funny, be kind. And, and it's sort of, that's the guiding principle of us. So when I'm doing comments, I'm always thinking about a hook, an angle. I'm always thinking, what can I, what can I say back to them? That will be funny. But obviously not every comment leaves you like a, like a, a home run. Not, not everyone, not everything leaves you something mm-hmm. easy to extract. So sometimes if that's the case, then you're just kind and you're nice and you react to people in the same tone of voice. Everything's the same. Even when we get a complaint, if we get a complaint, we don't see that as, oh my God, we have to be really serious now. We've got to be really formal. We should do this. We still make jokes in our responses to complaints, but usually they're at our expense. Whereas when it's the other way around, if it's less like an open comment, that's when we can maybe have fun with the drinker and and say something uh, like that. But yeah, I think it's just, we have all worked at different places where we've seen really poor community management. It's that stuff like the ready-made responses. Like when you when you send somebody a message like out of hours or sometimes during hours and you get that automated response back, there's nothing worse than that. Mm-hmm. Like that, just, that really pisses people off. Yeah. And we make, even, don't get me wrong, like every band, we have FAQs. We have information because if we get asked the same question five times, we want to have a stock answer, but we never send out that stock answer. We get that stock answer, we paste it in, we we cater it to the person and then we send it off. Like nothing, we never really send the same message twice. Um, and that's across DMs or comments or emails as well. So yeah, I think it's just that personalized approach, which um, is really important. Like without that, I don't think we would be anywhere near like our reputation or, or what the brand has. Yeah, I love that. We, we talked about uh, the people's champion. That's right, isn't it? The people's champions. Mm, yeah, yeah, instead of yeah, even, exactly. even that, the change of the name from community management, again, love yeah. that. And we've actually covered this quite a lot on social minds about the value of social media manage, managers being human and playing yeah. that sort of admin role as opposed to a brand which, you know, just put some words out in a formal way. So what's the importance of showing a human personality through the brand page on social what's that you know what's the benefit in that whether that be through you know witty or relevant responses responding to viral content or even parakeet videos it's trust right it's just trust it's mm-hmm. if if people talk like you if you recognize something of yourself in what people post you just trust them you build up an instant rapport it's something you can't even measure or track you just go oh wow i was thinking that exact thing earlier like our best post i say this and i'm never actually entirely sure i think it's our best post of all time in terms of organic one-off post Mm -hmm. um was something we did about working from home at the start of the year so we did i think i realized when we got into 2022 we've now been working from home in three calendar years so i literally did working from home 2020 and it started off really nice as in um you're on smiling on video calls one cup of tea a day and then a quote mark of you're on mute steve don't worry we all do it and then 2021 got worse and then 2022 ended with like uh, eight eight cups of coffee intravenously into your veins um and all caps you're on mute steve um and and that reached 
uh, it got 84,000 likes on LinkedIn on its mm. own. Oh, wow. And it reached 8 million people just yeah, on LinkedIn. The carry on yeah, LinkedIn is a joke. <laughs> you get 84,000 likes on LinkedIn. <laughs> like, in, insane. And it was just people recognized themselves in it and they recognized yeah. a, like a cultural moment and they just did that. So I think being relevant, like Witty, Witty helps, Witty will win you some things. But relevant is the key one there, I think, out of the two. If you're relevant to people, if people see themselves in you, like they're just gonna they're gonna get on board so so much quicker. And I am, I mean, in classic Eve style, I'm gonna bang on about tone of voice and coffee a little bit more. <laughs> so forgive me this. But I know we're speaking about, you know, a brand being recognizable everywhere it, it goes. And Innocent, I think, makes something quite complicated look quite easy with its tone of voice um, and that consistency being across multiple admins, probably in multiple channels. Um, so I guess in the interest of championing good copy and keeping that going, what advice would you give to like junior writers or social media managers when it comes to nailing that tone of voice across multiple? channels um you know especially when it can take such a long time to see an impact on social i think with tone of voice right tone of voice is like people like we were just talking about how like making a brown brand sound like a person every person so then every brand is made up of lots of things so we have like a dial in our tone of voice we have a dial of all the things you should try to do to match tone of voice so the the be relevant is one uh be unexpected be witty and they're not be natural is another and they're not i don't use all of them in every piece of content i write that would be impossible like how you could do that i would i wouldn't even know so it's all about like pretend it's like one big sound mixing desk on some things you turn one up you turn the other down um they're not always in contrast to each other sometimes it's a nice mix and you push a couple up a couple down it's boiling down the tone of voice to its most like base elements, like what characteristics do you want to do? And then finding the right mix for the right channel. So LinkedIn, there's so much bullshit on LinkedIn and, and that's from people and brands. So when you dial up the playfulness, uh, the relevance on LinkedIn, it goes so much better. Mm -hmm. Whereas if that was dialed down and you were sort of doing more the sort of honest sort of version or you were sort of being a bit more boastful like a lot of people can be or talking about this great campaign that I just finished, which does, don't get me wrong, does work and has a place on LinkedIn, but it's going to get seen so much more because you cut through, you, you're, you're, the, you're the outlier. So for like young, yeah, young people getting into the thing, it's, get as much experience as you can with so many tones of voices like don't just do one like working at an agency i would not be where i was without working at an agency like you get so much access to so many different types of brands and sectors mm. and each one is so different and by that i mean some brands won't have one they just won't have a tone <laughs> of voice and you have to make it essentially yeah. across social media posts or whatever um whether they formalize that and actually get you to write a bible for them or if it's literally you're doing it from one post to the next yeah, um just practice lots of different styles you'll find one that suits you more and then that's where like if you do eventually go in-house or if you want to go to a specified agency you'll know what you're best at um like for me my first writing job at an agency was a B2B tech agency. How am I going to write jokes in those? And I was just like, <laughs> you know what? I need to find somewhere which is more like B2C at least, like B2C where I can actually talk to people. And sort of slowly over my career, I sort of, I found more and more natural fits. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just, don't be afraid of anything. Like try on everything, uh, see which what fits you better. In terms of cross-channel, it's just knowing knowing the channel 
just know the platform and and dial up or down in response to that that's that's it because because a tone of voice can work on every channel like people who say it can't like that's not true like innocent innocence does and that's that's not me speaking about myself the brand was set up before i came here they already did it it's hard don't get me wrong like when you have to use a, like a playful tone of voice to talk about a serious issue it's hard then that's why you have the different characteristics that's why you talk like a human why you're relatable rather than just like don't get me wrong they're great at what they do but like paddy power right they only have one tone they only have one thing um they're not gonna if they start talking about even like the sort of government like things they have to do about like um gambling Mm -hmm. like like when when like stop right they all those adverts even that Sometimes when that comes from Paddy Power, your head of your mind's going, they have to do that, don't they? Like you don't you don't believe it. <laughs> Sticks out, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's an outlier. Whereas if you've got more to your personality, like more facets to you, then it doesn't, I hope, anyway. Interesting you should say about cross platform, because one thing that I would say is that tone of voice is I'd say easy to apply to a text first channel. We know it's not easy, but it's easier. You know, words mm. are words. They can't really be taken out of context too much. So you can create a certain tone. But then how have you had to adapt um, Innocent's tone of voice when it comes to social visual platforms like TikTok, for example, because it's a lot harder to create that consistency when you can't revert back to certain words or, you know, cert- yeah, certain phrases that you know will go well, which you mm. know will land in a certain way. Visually, that's a lot harder to land, right? Yeah, you're bang on. Yeah, like uh, I, I actually do find the text uh, from a personal thing, the text only one's so much easier mm-hmm. just because you've got like, you, yeah, you can rely on all that knowledge, that tone of voice straight off the bat. Whereas visual, yeah, translating, it is, it is much harder. So TikTok, TikTok is different. Um, and I think... Above all, obviously, people got used to translating visually with Instagram first, right? And having that. But obviously, TikTok's a completely different beast on its own. It's like boiling down the the point. I've said boiling down like five times that it's like I'm <laughs> cooking. Um, yeah, it's burrowing into, there you go, um, yeah. what makes the post successful or fun or or what you want it to be. And then just recapturing that again. because trying to like we don't get me wrong we've had a couple of posts where we put it on facebook and went let's make that for tiktok and then like okay so the daddy long legs one actually we tried to do that on tiktok and it just didn't work like it just didn't the funny part was the the written down words of the animals so like unless we're gonna like design these animals into how they would look if they were called that it's like it takes too much time it's not worth it so recreating isn't the important thing it's capturing the same vibe feel yeah yeah yeah. no definitely i think translating like that's why i I kind of fundamentally disagree with cross-posting anyway even though like if it's repurposing sometimes you've got something that you want to like squeeze a lot out of but i do think like the way that these things work it either relies on the you know the the words concept or the visual concept and especially with like different platforms like something for tiktok and instagram for example it's going to be completely different I'm thinking that the most successful TikTok we've had since I've been here, um, there was a couple before my time, like, I think this is like our second best, was the Encanto trend of the funny walk uh, that everybody yeah. was doing. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 mm-hmm. and our entry point into it is, and this is where you can use a bit of the cross the cross channel sort of thing, is the caption, right? So yeah. the caption on the screen, that's where we're a little different. So uh, I think we used it with our boss trying to do serious marketing and then us coming in with a funny TikTok. And yeah. it was me <laughs> doing the doing the, the little, yeah, yeah, the little I can walk. see it now. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, and and it and it was our second like best TikTok, like like it was like over like almost a million views and things, and it's just that slight tweak, that slight tweak, like the amount of things we've tried and it just didn't quite feel right because we just didn't yeah. have that entry point. And um, just as long as you find that entry point and you can make it, and this is the stuff that admin versus brand stuff, right? Sometimes I see a post post something, uh, sorry, a brand post something. Why have they posted that? Like, why does a brand have a an opinion on that? Like sharing something that's everyone's culturally talking about is one thing, but like saying you like a certain thing or you do this a certain way or whatever why why has that brand got an opinion on that one thing doesn't really make sense to me so it's always just trying to find a way where where we can talk about it relevant and tiktok's great because you get to see people obviously so that's where we sort of the lines are blurred a bit more so you can actually see the people behind it um so that's where i can play the boss or, or something like I that. I think people yeah. really respond to that as well. It's almost been like the next step up of that, you know, calling yourself admin on Twitter versus you move to TikTok. And there's been a lot of companies, I think, is it Paper Magazine? Like they just picked one person who's like the uh, head of like comms or something at the, at, at the company and they gave her the TikTok. Same with the Washington Post. It's like been the same guy mm. all along. And yeah. people have gotten to know that person and they're mm-hmm. just letting that personality lead. Is it that thing where that account then takes on the personality of the person who's running it. And is that a good thing? But it seems to have worked for them, yeah. I think TikTok's one where you can, yeah, where we can get away with it a bit more um, because people do want that because it's it's not a space for brands, really. If you, yeah, and if, if, you look I, if at your it, person started talking like the brand on there, it wouldn't work, would it? Because you're literally no, speaking. Exactly. Yeah, and the, the Duolingo is like the biggest success, right? Yes. Like the, 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 the woman who started that Zara. is now like a global head of... Everything. So, yeah. like, fair play to her. Yeah. Eve's, Eve's face a little bit. Then we said Duolingo, the amount of... Yeah. Oh, I love they're, it. They're yeah, great. I'd never say about it. Yeah, they are great. I just... I, I kind of love how, how like, kind of rude they are. And I know we're talking, like, mm. in a positive brand space, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, it's like the Ryanair TikToks as well. They are just yeah. so awful to their community that it's it's quite refreshing, actually. Yeah, exactly. As, as long as you pick a unique thing and you commit to it, right? Yeah. And they're committing to it. That's It might commit not be everybody's, like, style or whatever, but just commit to the bit. Exactly. Bit of improv, bit of improv for you there. I mean, we wanted to talk about the It's Blue campaign. You talk about Innocent being a positive brand and not being the most Mm. argumentative. I think that might actually be the most argumentative I've seen Innocent be on Twitter. And even then it was like very gentle, just correcting people. They're saying, well, I think it looks green and Innocent's going, it looks blue. Um, So, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, did you guys know that that campaign would be such a big hitter? And what would the consequences have been if uh, no one had taken you on? So this was before before my time. Uh, my my friend John was behind this this campaign. And firstly, they did not know it would take off. How do you ever really know? Sometimes you have a feeling if this meets the right people early, it could it could take off. With that, literally, they got the drink. And the first thing it was John and and his boss called Anna, who's who's our, our head of content of digital for Europe, and they both just said, "It isn't blue, is it? It just isn't. <laughs> it isn't blue, is it? It's not blue as you know it." Um, and then we were like, "Okay, well let's let's go with that." So then they they came up with the the saying, just doubling down. It's so blue. It's so blue. And yeah. obviously everybody else's first reaction was exactly the same as theirs, saying it's not blue. But then. Essentially, what we do on on our community management with what what we post, we 
sort of understand what people are going to say because we always you know you know like the classic we did it for the engagement um sometimes you know what people are going to pick at so before we post it we say okay what is our stance are we agreeing with people that it isn't or are we saying completely the opposite it is and everyone was like okay no we're going big it is blue everybody else is colorblind and just the more and more came in the more that i got added to it it just just took off so definitely didn't know um, it was going to take off, but once it did, and this is something you, how you know it was successful. Basically, the the social media campaign, the, the budgets for that year was all sunk into that after the fact because it had taken off so well. We were like, oh well, let's let's go let's go mad on it. They did two videos with Duncan from Blue. They brought out another Blue smoothie the year after, and then brought it back. Um, we still talk about it now, and and the amount of people we get people correcting us on colours now. Are you sure it's pink? This is very pink, yes. Um, and it happens all the time. If no one had bit, it still would have been a funny post on its own. It would have yeah. been. It would have. Mm-hmm. It would have looked. It would have looked in keeping on the feed. It would have been a good proof of concept from a from a standalone post. But it wouldn't be something we're talking about on a podcast mm-hmm. three years later. Just to clarify, Marcus, it is turquoise, isn't it? It's blue. Uh, you're, you're, it's blue. It's blue. You'll never hear me say otherwise. <laughs> Apart from that bit blue. where I said it a minute ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so funny. We get the couple of people who like do the Dulux paint charts. They'll send them to us really? going, look, I've, I've colour matched it. Oh and actually God. you'll find it's turquoise. <laughs> oh and we'll be like, you're really fun at parties, aren't you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Twitter people are a different breed. And I say that lovingly, being one of them. <laughs> exactly. We, we welcome all views as long as they are not uh, green. Oh, well, I mean, there you have it. What a great episode. And thank you so much, Marcus, for joining us. It's been a real pleasure talking to you today. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Callum. Well, I told you that was going to be a good one. Innocent Drinks must be one of the most requested brands uh, for us to cover on Social Minds. I'm so glad we managed to sit down with Marcus and chat about everything we covered there. Yeah, definitely. And it's like not just one that the audience has been asking for. It's one that we've had on our own to do list mm. for ages. But as you can imagine, you know, it's a, a business full of very, very busy people. Um, but yeah, I'm really, really glad that we we're finally able to get them on because it's sort of like copywriter's dream, right? Tone of voice, yeah. brand Bible, the kind of conversations we love to have. Let's yeah, let's stay on that kind of copywriting theme. And um, I found it really interesting when you mentioned that, uh, and I never thought of this before, that brands take on the personalities of each different social media yeah. manager. So yeah, yeah. so you've got Claire one day, and then well in the morning, Tom in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, you know those tone of voices are going to be completely different well, unless so, they're yeah. trained to be in a certain way. Look, we're not robots. Everyone's going to have certain quirks the way they write and the way they communicate. But what I think uh, Innocent does so well is that sort of training that they go through, that rigorous process. Yeah. Like I say, they're not machines. It's going to kind of vary, but it obviously sets them up very, very well. It's so minimising it, that exactly. variation like, as much as is humanly possible. And do you know what? I think the whole having uh, an admin's own personality work for that brand, it can work if you've got like one admin mm-hmm. who's running it. It's like when we first spoke to KFC that like, ages ago before um, we took on the UK account, when we spoke to John, it was basically just him. Um, and he kind of sounds like KFC anyway. So that really worked. Yeah. And his boss before him, the two of them had very similar personalities and very similar senses of humor. So that worked. But what that's now done is sort of shaped the tone of voice for other people to follow. Yeah. So it's given them a starting point. I'll never advise 
small brands or, you know, uh, tiny teams with little resource to try and, you know, make a brand tone of voice and become this different person and then train everyone the same way Innocent does because it's just not viable sometimes. So maybe like for a small brand, start that way, like start by picking someone whose personality you think is the right one for the brand and then use that as the benchmark to follow as you scale. Yeah, nice. And the rise of the admin is definitely a thing, you know, like, uh, Marcus said, people trust people. You've got to be relevant. You've got to be relatable. And if you're talking like a brand behind a brand account, it just seems so formal. It's like, yeah, yeah, we can get your drinks in Tesco. You know, have a chat with someone, literally, like yeah. you and I are doing now. Just have a chat with someone. Yes, it's, it's via a screen, but people trust people. If you speak like someone speaks to you in real life, people are going to you know, relate to that. Yeah, no, definitely. I do like it though. You know, when he's advising like uh, junior writers to sort of practice as much as possible different kinds of brands. And yeah, it is quite an interesting exercise. I'll go from like KFC to Arla Lacto Free in the same day. And it's like, you just completely yeah. like whiplash personality change. I've got a quick question for you. So we're talking about daddy long legs. I love that anecdote well, about, I mean, let's, let's start on that. So the daddy long legs is summer. They all came in. Everyone's experienced the same thing in the UK. So everyone knows what they're talking about. Yet they're coming at it from a completely different angle. And like I said in the intro, they're selling innocent drinks by talking about daddy long legs. Like yeah. that just seems crazy, right? <laughs> when Marcus was speaking, I was just trying to think so. Do you know what daddy long legs are called? No. I've never heard it before. And I, I'd be very surprised if a listener has done. Do you want to know what they're called? Yeah. I'm not sure I'm going to get this one right. It's called Focus Phalangoids. Right. Well, that's <laughs> so obviously why they've gotten the nickname Daddy Longlegs, because <laughs> no one can be asked to speak Latin in day to day. Either way, I love that anecdote. Yeah, like I say, it's it's taking uh, common themes and, and I was thinking also on, on that thing, you know, like uh, Flying Ant Day, for example. There's always yeah. like a day or two days a year. Yeah. Everyone's experienced the same thing and everyone's moaning, oh, Flying Ants, hate Flying Ants, etc. They're coming at a complete different angle. Everyone can relate. They know that's going to bang. Yeah. Really smart. Mm-hmm.